Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a road, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. This is Fran Lewis. We're going to do this again. This is MJ Network. Remember my sister, Marcia Joyce. And now that the time is straight, Joy is here. And we're going to talk about the Medusa murders. And for those of you that don't know enough about Medusa, you're about to learn. So, hi, welcome back again. I just, you know. Thank you, Fran. Hey, we have to roll with it. You have to have a sense of humor in this world. So the first scene sets the tone for the conflict. But first, what's a question I've been dying to ask? What made you decide on Medusa? And I love mythology, so that really got me when I when they asked me to do you know to interview. I go, yeah, of course. What made you do Medusa of all things? Yeah, well, um, I was a I'm a retired English uh, teacher, and mm. I taught mythology. It was one of the my one of my favorite classes to teach, and one of my favorite courses that my students took. But I've always been fascinated by the Medusa because. She is woman and monster, and so, I mean, without without going maybe too academically deep here, um, she definitely has two sides. She's, she's got a duality about her, and she's mm-hmm. fascinating, and because, and she's so, there's something compelling about her because of the snakes, and she's also a protector. She's also part of a family and part of a sisterhood. And it seemed to fit as a really good theme with the rest of my mystery because this this novel, this first novel in the series, is also about family and sisters. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's an intertwined uh, motif that's going on that carries on throughout the book. Well, that, that's fantastic because you're lucky that you got a publisher to do this. Well, I write horror, and all of my books are... Um, Pretty much by self-publishing, because it's really good to hard mm-hmm. to get somebody that wants to read when people are wrongly accused and they're dead in telling their story. They don't want to hear it. Right. So this, right. this is this is great, and I, I just fell for this. And I have to be very honest. Gina sends me things, you know, like, "Do you want to interview? Do you want to read the book?" And sometimes I actually say no. It depends on who it is and what it is. And then I look it up right. and I go, "Like, how could you pass up Medusa? You can't." So, <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for taking a chance. <laughs> the first scene sets the tone in college, and we have Bay, and she has a she has a colleague that's not very nice, McNelly. So, how does that react, and how does that come come to play in the story? Sure, um, because Bay is uh, she she works at a small private college, and she's an English literature professor there. Um, she's the youngest department chair um, ever in that college and so she's got some insecurities about her and she's kind of trying to learn the rope 
and into their humanities program comes this Professor McNally. He's an ex-priest, and he has wriggled his way into being part of the humanities department. He, she thinks he belongs over in social sciences, but she doesn't really have any say in the matter because it's all up to the deans. And so she kind of already she gets this vibe from him that he just cannot be trusted. And um, the story begins where they're they're in mid semester they're they're um, they're waiting for second semester to begin so they're on on winter break and they have to hire a new office gopher basically for the humanities office and Bay has been going over all the applications and she's been meeting with her colleagues and they've kind of picked this one candidate and she brings that to the deans but then McNelly sort of wriggles in again and says, well, wait a minute, I have a candidate too, and my person is a very needy person, and she needs to be protected, and she needs, she's going to lose her financial aid if she can't get a job, so she really needs this job, and she's qualified. So the deans decide to go with McNally's candidate. So that is kind of another um, another um, point against him or strike against him in Bay's mind. She just doesn't trust the man, and she's wondering what it is. How does he know all of, all this personal information about this applicant? And and she believes that he's kind of hearing confessions from people on the side. And so she doesn't mm-hmm. like it. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like him. She doesn't like the way he operates. Yeah. Anyway, so this this has really got to me because basically sometimes I wonder if Bay didn't get picked because she was a young girl and he was older and he was a priest and more experienced. Right. That, that bothers me sometimes. Right. Age and I know I've been, you've been people are victims of age discrimination and stuff, and that's another show I'm doing if anybody wants to join on the seventeenth. No, fourteenth. I'm doing that. You're doing on age discrimination, and ageism. And what questions you oh, don't want awesome. people to ask you. So we have right. Cass, her sister, and she shows up at a boop nowhere in her apartment, and her father says, too bad, you got to keep her. How come? <laughs> right. Well, they and Cass um, are, are the only two daughters in the family, but they've been estranged for quite some time, quite a few years. Cass has, is a little bit older than they, and... She was always the big sister that they looked up to, but then Cass started bouncing in and out of the house. Um, She started going down this path of of being a con artist and a a grifter, and she's very good at it, but eventually that catches up with her, and she does some things that are highly illegal and ends up in prison. Well, once she goes to prison... They have cut ties. They and Cass have cut ties completely, but, of course, Cass has stayed in touch with her father. And so Bay comes home from work, and she finds Cass sitting in her apartment and doesn't know why is she there, and she didn't know she was out of prison, and she wonders how she got into her apartment. And Cass says, you know, I am, I'm on parole. I need a place to stay. I need to live with a responsible adult. And Dad basically says, you two need to do this for each other. Bay, you need to do this for your sister. You need to forgive her. You need to give her a second chance. And you need to let her stay with you. 
So they agreed, mm-hmm. but she sets down a lot of ground rules. <laughs> well, she was smart, and she had to keep track of her because God knows what Cass would really do. Now, this really got me. Oh, this was sure. really people clever. I'm serious. Of all the things in the world, how in blank did Cass get a job in security? <laughs> Why would they hire her? Besides the Why fact that they hire her? Bop them over the head. <laughs> right, right. Well, she, of course, she says, well, they hired me because I'm a reliable person who'll show up for work. And, and in the world mm-hmm. we live in today, it's not always easy to find adults who will show up yeah, for work. No. Also, they know that she is under the supervision of a parole officer, so there's little likelihood that she's going to do anything wrong and screw up and ha- end up going back to prison. But then on the other side of the coin, she has a lot of skills to bring to a security position because she's been on the other side of the fence. She can recognize people who might be breaking and entering. She can. She knows what to look mm-hmm. for. She knows if if people are are about to maybe shoplift or can or commit some other kind of crime and she can spot those kind of people and those kind of con artists because she's a very gifted con artist herself. That's why I like her. Could use a person like that sometimes <laughs> you just never know. So the right. bank is the president of De- Detective Downing and what is the importance of the note? And that's like, oh, my God, that's what are we going to talk about, Medusa. Right, right. It's it's the catalyst, really, that starts mm-hmm. the ball rolling and the mystery because they have this prized coat that is her Lulu her Lululemon, it's kind of, it was her purchase piece um, celebrating her getting this job. So it's her signature piece, and it's been at the dry cleaners. When she goes to get it back from the dry cleaners, um, she finds out that the police are want to look through her dry cleaning. And she starts looking through her dry cleaning before the police show up. And she finds the note in the pocket of the Lululemon and mm-hmm. she snaps a photo of it because she knows that it's a, that it looks like it's some strange kind of a clue, but she doesn't have any idea what it could possibly mean. It's really a riddle. But she also knows that that coat is not her coat. And she later finds out that her coat is actually at a crime scene. And so that's how she starts to be involved in this in this murder investigation is because her coat showed up at the crime scene. Now we have Lowe's role in the art world, Virginia, and as Downing begins to investigate, we got another murder. Right, right. Um, so right, so the Medusa appears to be a serial killer. She, you know, she uses a plaster gun. The real mythological Medusa could turn people to stone by looking at them. Mm. This Medusa serial killer uses a plaster gun and and turns mm. people to stone that way. So first she takes out um, the comic book creator, but she doesn't doesn't kill the comic book creator. She just leaves the comic book creator in a coma. But then Virginia Lowe 
is the is the first real murder victim. Um, the Medusa has killed Virginia, who is part of the art world. She's an art curator, and the note in the pocket is is a connection between the art world and the mythological world. And mm-hmm. it's for the detectives and they to sort out those clues to come to some kind of conclusion about who this killer is to discover the Medusa's identity. Now, what I like about Cass, she reminds me of my grandmother and me. You could look at something or someone, really, it's terrible, and you either like them or hate them in the first shot. My my, my right. husband hates when I do that. But I could tell you right away if I'm going to like somebody or if they're, what they're saying is um, basically gobbledygook. So that's one thing right. about Cass. And then we have her and Ken. I like the fact that, that, she, that um, Bay wasn't afraid to let him know, you're not going to play games with me. So she created frictions. So why does Bay become part of the investigation, and what is she supposed to do? You see, you need somebody like that, people, seriously. Right, right, right. Well, um, something, it becomes very clear, um, Bay one day looks out her window and sees this mural and it's a warning to her. It's been, she believes it's been left by the killer um, because it has mythology um, painted in it. And she um, now believes that she's a target. So she goes to the police and says, and tells them, you know, that she believes she's a target. And she wants to know why she hasn't been told that her her coat was part of a murder scene. She doesn't realize mm. it was murder. She she thinks in the beginning she doesn't know. She doesn't know. And so then the police know more than she does. And so when it becomes clear that she's going to be very assertive and not take no for an answer, um, the police chief brings her in and says, look, you're a mythology expert. You teach this stuff. Why don't you help us sort out the clues and kind of to keep her out, keep her nose out of the police station and maybe her nose out of police business, but also give her something to do in the meantime that might be helpful to the police. Well, she can handle it. And if you really know the English she stuff. Can. So why doesn't Downing give, you know, I've noticed this when I watch, my husband loves Law and Order. Me, I like the programs where there's vanished and true murders and crime criminal justice and all that stuff. Well, crime justice, I love stuff like that. So why doesn't Downing give her the files to go through? And what does she think she needs? Because I've, I've seen that on on police programs where, you know, I'm the prosecutor, we know, doesn't always give what give the defense what they're supposed to have on time. So what does she need and how come he didn't give it to her? Right. Um, that Right. Downing is a straight arrow. He's a by-the-book detective, and the last yeah. thing he wants is this interfering civilian who's an English professor. What does she know about investigating crime? He just wants to do his job, and he wants her out of his hair. But there's kind of a cat-and-mouse game going on between them because she knows more then she's telling Downey because, of course, she's, mm-hmm. she has a copy of this note that was left in the pocket. So she already knows more than she's supposed to know. And, 
and Downing, who's trying to keep her out of the case, is is saying, no, 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 you don't need this information in the files. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want her to find out that there are other victims. That is one thing he definitely wants to keep under wraps. Maybe he just doesn't want her to show him up, because I think she could if she really yep. tried. <laughs> And yeah, there's that yeah. too. I mean, there's definitely competition going on. You can you can yeah. feel the tension between those two characters throughout the story, which is another layer of conflict that I really like in the book. Well, you know, I've read too many books, and if there's no conflict, a real conflict, well, you're not really sure if the main character is going to live. You're not allowed to call the main character people, but you wonder sometimes, and then you got to get bored. If the conflict isn't right. there. Well, like in your book, I read the first chapter. I go, no, wait a minute. I, I got to learn more. And if they don't say that, <laughs> then then you're in trouble because then I'm going to just put the book down and go, okay, I'll, I'll skim skin through it and like, oh God. But you definitely know I read this. So what research does she do, and how does her friend, this I love Joe, help to unravel the history behind the paintings, Medusa and the murders? That's hard. But her friend Joe is a genius. Right. Right. So, right. So, Bay's colleague is an art history professor, um, and that is, yeah, and that is Jen Yu. And she's a, and she, uh, and Bay goes to her and says, look, you know more about paintings than I do. I might know about mythology, but you know about paintings. You know, why don't, can you take a look at this note and figure out what kind of artwork we're talking about here? And so, it's, it's, it's great because they kind of become a team in doing this. Mm-hmm. And and Jen is somebody who's, I mean, you know, she's kind of stuck in her rut too. I mean, as a mm-hmm. college professor, anybody who's a teacher knows that you're very immersed yeah. in your teaching and you're very busy. So it's hard to have some sort of life outside the teaching profession a lot of times. And, and, so, and Jen has been at it a lot longer than, than Bay even she's older, so she's kind of been a she kind of mentors Bay and takes her a little bit a little bit under her wing, but she really wants her mm-hmm. more for a friend um, than just a than just a um, than just somebody to mentor. And but she does then come up with a whole lot of the art history clues to that are involved in the notes that the Medusa is leaving behind. So they have to combine their knowledge between the art world and mythology world. Mythology is, shows up so much in the art world that it mm. pairs well together. That's really good, but, you know, sometimes, um, I don't know, it's, it's amazing that she's a young professor and that she's the first right. young professor woman in this particular role that you wonder sometimes that some of the other professors, like McKellen and McKelly, um Present her because she got the job that they feel they deserve because they have more experience and they're older. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree, and the, and that is a source of tension. I mean, a lot of times I think yeah. in colleges you might find younger professors, but they're not necessarily going to be the head of the department. So, um, and this is this is an ongoing. This will be ongoing in the series. There will be more revelations even as the series goes on because it's always going to be connected to the college where Bay works. So we're going to find out more. There's some mysteries that are kind of left um, to to deal with in future books about the college and about 
um, the dean and about McNally. Mm. And so there will be more revelations coming in future books. <laughs> well, he just made my day. Because I'm constantly asking people <laughs> at the beginning of the show, this better not be the only one. You're going to write more. Oh, no. Oh, no. It, it, I have two more I outlined the, for sure. Yeah. You can't kill off Cassin Bay. Sorry, no. You can't kill I don't, off. I no, don't we, see that happening. They have a lot to do in their relationship, and there's a lot of evolving, and, you know, and a lot of growth, oh, good. a lot of room for that relationship to grow. So I really want to explore that as the series goes on. Well, that's good because... One of the top authors killed off one of the major characters, and I emailed him and said, how could you do this to me? No, really. It happens, though, and doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? See, my characters are all dead, so it doesn't matter. And they're, they're telling the story <laughs> because they're dead, and they were wrongly accused, so who cares, right? So here we go. Right. Now, we have Dice. Tell us about Diana, and why was she there at the college, and what does she have to do with McKelly? I don't like that guy. Sure. Diana ends up being um, McNally's candidate that he wants to put out there um, for hire, and she ends up getting hired as an office gopher. So she has a really low-level job. She's a student Mm -hmm. there, and um, and she's a foreign exchange student, and she's going to lose her financial aid and so, um, and then possibly be sent back, um, be sent back to Canada where she came from. And so McNally is trying to help her, I guess, but we kind of don't Mm -hmm. know. We don't know. We don't know what's in it. We don't know what's in it for him. And, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot. And of course, and we don't know about her. He wants, he goes to Bay and he wants Bay to take, um, Diana under her wing and help her and mentor her in this job and and Bay is really not about doing that at all. She's pretty resistant because again she wants to know what um, McNally's motive is for do, for doing something like this. So well, that we're becomes not um, tell them. pretty pretty. <laughs> nope, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not going to tell them. But just think about it, people. Put put two and four together, you'll get it. Maybe. Right, so, right. There are a lot well, of twists and turns in this one. <laughs> well, what is, how does Diana really feel about being mentored by Bay? Does she really want the help? And do you think that Diana has something to do with Medusa, or the murders or something? Or does she know anything about Medusa? And after you read this book, you're going to well, want to learn more about Medusa. Right, right, for sure. Well, we find out that Diana has been a student of Bay's, but she was in a very big class, so Bay doesn't recognize her or remember her because it was just a general. It was actually in the, mm. the mythology class. It was a general course. So we know that Diana has some interest in mythology, and she seems very uncomfortable around Bay. She seems nervous, she seems um, very shy, very timid. So you start to ask yourself questions like, is she always this shy and timid? Or what is she all about? Or it, why is she so nervous around around Bay? So now, I'm looking so through you the start book. And I just have to ask. Go on. I'm going. I'm going to ask no, you these okay. questions. Yeah, how, come, how did you pick the chapter titles? I mean, that, that's what got me. Because as I'm reading the chapter titles now, 
Bad News in 10. That's really cool. Muddy Waters, The Fabulous Fiona. The Unexpected Delivery. Right. How did you do that? How did you decide on what goes at the beginning to give the person that's reading it an idea like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? Yeah, well, I write the I wrote the chapter first, and then I would go back through the chapter and kind of pull the threads together of what is my main point of tension in the chapter, mm-hmm. or what is the main clue to the to what's going to happen in this chapter? And then I tried to come up with something short and catchy. I used to be a um, I used to be a newspaper writer and reporter. Mm-hmm. So you know, as a as a news writer. You always had to write a headline, and it better be it better grab somebody's attention. So I think that was just from practice of writing news headlines when I used to be a journalist. See, I knew how there had to be more secrets that I didn't know about. Now the chapter <laughs> that got me was was potluck surprise, and that right. that's really my potluck potluck surprise dinner. You couldn't do that to me because I have to know what you're making before to make sure that I could actually eat it. <laughs> And then, <laughs> seriously, right. Right. we won't tell why. Right. And then the last yeah, part sorry, is, yeah. um, was also you um, family matters. So how does this tie in? First of all, what happened at the potluck dinner that sends Bay and Cass into the face of the killer? Right. Um, well, the, the potluck dinner takes place at the college, and it is where um, – and. And it's um, it's kind of their it's a faculty gathering that is has music. It's kind of a party. It's kind of a kickoff to the brand new semester. And at that is where the final conflict happens. So that's where finally there is a confrontation. And I and I don't want to say very much more about it. So it, so it doesn't um, so it doesn't give away spoil anything in the plot, but no. it is really the penultimate chapter where we finally have the the confrontation between between the Medusa and other parties that are also have been part of this investigation. Kinda of all comes together. It did and I was like, Are you kidding me? That that was probably one of the best endings because nobody's gonna figure this one out. I guarantee, and I oh, figured things out. I and I, I wasn't sure, and I'm reading the last chapter, and I'm like, what? Where did, where did this come from? <laughs> right, right. And yet and there's, there's a there's lot a... of little clues along the way. It's just that there's a lot of twists and turns to, to put those clues together. Now, this chapter I love. Every child would love this chapter. How did you create playing hooky? Because I wasn't allowed to do that ever. <laughs> You think you, every you well, know you go you know you're going to have a math test and you would rather you know go to the beach and sometimes you do but you have right. a math test so you can't play hooky and you get caught anyway. Right, right. I think my my favorite part of that chapter shows how our, in writing that chapter is that that point in the book, Cass and and they are already trying to come together and find common ground. And their relationship is changing and, and building and improving as the book continues. And so um, I, Bay finally decides, um, you know, she doesn't point blank say it, but 
she realizes if she's going to try to do some investigating on her own, it might really help to have a sister who's got a whole skill set of being a con artist and knowing how mm-hmm. to operate in disguise and and just and knowing how to how to play computer games. And so she borrows her, and they go back to kind of their childhood where they used to play this spy game, and they used to pretend as children that they were spies, and they're running around finding clues and listening and on conversations and making up stories, <laughs> and only this one's real. Only this one's real. So, yeah, so she actually gets her sister um, away from her away from her job. I mean, something that they shouldn't even be doing. She shouldn't be, she shouldn't be trying to get cast to get in trouble at work, but she needs her, and she takes her during dinner break, and then that becomes an entire evening, and so um, it's actually Bay who ends up calling Cass in, pretending to be her sister and saying, hey, I have, I, I, I'm sick. I, I can't come back to work. <laughs> you know, everybody, you got to do it once. No, really. Right. You got to do it once. Right. Playing hooky, why? but the trick is, see, as an educator, you know, too, especially in elementary <laughs> school, they get caught. Yeah. If I was told. Yep, exactly. Like, it, was, it, was the, it was the friend Lewis rule. If a child's absent more than two days, make a phone call because something's not right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I yep. had some real wise characters. But they, were, they would never cut class, though. That was the funny part. The parents said, he's sick, blah, blah, blah. I said, I need a doctor's note. Notarized. <laughs> they said he's out for three days or whatever. I, I oh. think the, the worst one was one of my students came in, and the really tough sixth grade class. He looked at me and he says, "You're gonna kill me." I go, "And what did you do?" He says, "They arrested me yesterday because I did this." I go, oh. "Well, you didn't do your homework, oh. so get in the back of the room. Don't even tell me." <laughs> he, he explained it, but it was not a was not a good enough reason. He says, I really wasn't absent, but they didn't let me come. I said, if you would have told me, I would have called and bailed you out. What can I tell you? It, it does happen. I, but you got to be it. careful. But, right. And, I mean, it, it is the job of, I mean, as educators, we are often yeah. the people on the front line of finding out That's what's right. going on in kids' lives. And, you know, they either, if if they trust us, they will you know, it just goes better. When a student trusts you, it just goes better. They're not going to mess with you. They're going to do their schoolwork. Um, you know, it's just it's the best part of being an educator is, is being able to develop that kind of rapport with students. It's hard, and they still trust me because they still private message me when they don't know what to do. For real. Yeah, that's not, not, awesome. I cry. I, I, I feel like, Really? And I got a note from one of them the other day on Facebook that said, without you and being blessed to have you as my sixth grade teacher, I wouldn't have known anything. There was a, I was like, really? You know, it makes you feel good. Like, you didn't waste all these years. So now, this is the twist, without giving away the twist. Cass and, and Bay start out on diff- different sides of the world. You might say that Cass is a thousand miles away from Bay. But how do you know at the end that Cass comes to really care for Bay? Well, she she's done so many things um, along the way. She's done a lot of little things to show that she really wants to um, wants to mend their relationship. But the biggest thing is that, of course, Cass 
has been keeping a pretty big secret from her sister. And in the end, she says, I can't keep this secret from Zay anymore, and I have to be straight with her, or things are never going to be right between us. So um, all of the secrets from the past, or at least the majority of the secrets from the past, are mm. revealed by the end of the book. That was that got me, too. So is this going to last after truth behind justice and truth is revealed? I mean, seriously, I'm not going to say what that means, but seriously, is that, that that's a big thing for me, too. If you lie to me, and I can right. tell if you are, I'm not going to ever trust you again. I probably won't even talk to you again. And justice right. is something that is not easy to come by. You have to fight for what's right. right. So how, did, how does that right. come into play in this particular book? I think by the time we get to the end, we still have we have people, which is one of the things I really like about doing a series, is that there's a lot of room for more questions to be answered and and more um, and more growth and development to happen. And at the end of of this book, I think we have people in very different places and they're in places where they're questioning what is going to happen next or and now how do I feel because now I'm left to deal with this new truth and this new reality so for Bay and for Cass and other people in the book and and their father and other people in the book they have a new reality and Mm. a new truth that they have to come to terms with. And I think at the end of the book, you don't know. You kind of don't know where where Cass and Bay are at. And you know that at the the end of the story that there's going to be more. There's going to be more coming and there's going to be more that's going to have to be dealt with. Well, before I forget, just so you all if I forget, Monday, John Didakis, the author of Fast Track, John works with Wolf Blisser and CNN on the Situation Room, for real. On the 21st, we have my favorite person, I love him, Philip Margolin, Betrayal. On the 27th, if you haven't read Kids Book, Elves for the Day by Deb Hockenberry, you're missing a lot. It's absolutely adorable. And December starts with Least We Forget. And on the 7th, because the system's not going to be down again, Girl on Trial, and let's talk about a young girl, <laughs> They gets caught on substance abuse and gets arrested, and there's a lot of research done in that book, and it's really such an important topic to talk about because if you watch the news, middle school children are drinking and doing vaping and smoking. Yeah. And, yeah, it's scary. So in the next book, we have a few minutes, where do you see their relationship going, and what about Downing and Bay? Is he coming back? <laughs> Yes, he will be coming back because there will be another, um, there's going to be a series of kind of strange crimes and even a murder that's going to happen. It will be connected with the college again. So his path is going to cross with Bayes, and and for him it might just be a, oh, no, I knew I couldn't get rid of you uh, <laughs> forever out of my life. And mm-hmm. for her, it's just, she she is She's probably much more okay with it because she's she's gotten to this place by you know where she likes she likes the detective and she trusts him and trust is a big thing for her. Um, her relationship with Cass is going to continue to evolve and grow. Um, in the next book, there will be a they will it's called Shakespeare in the Park, 
and it will be a summer Shakespeare production that the college mm. will be putting on. And Bay and her friend, Professor Jen Yu, they're going to both be volunteers in this production for, um, for just, just kind of helping with the production overall. But then there will be a series of, of uh, strange accidents and a murder that happened. Or maybe it's a murder, maybe it's not, but it's a strange, suspicious death. And so the police are called in and Detective Downing shows up. But in the meantime, the college says, gee, you know, Professor Bay and Professor Jen, you did such a good job investigating last time. Maybe you can kind of do some snooping around and see what you can find out and figure out what is going on here at the college and why we why this production of Shakespeare seems to be cursed from the very beginning. So there'll be a lot more of those kind of of quirky circumstances mm-hmm. and an investigation and more character growth and development and change in relationships in the second book. So where can everybody find out about you and your work? So that everybody could read. Sure. For those of you that haven't read The Medusa Murders, what are you waiting for? Seriously. <laughs> and, you know, Hanukkah's coming up pretty soon. And Christmas is coming up soon. And New Year's is coming up soon. And my favorite present is a book. Besides jewelry. No, Perfect time to buy a book. And I yeah, think, a couple I really books. believe... Um, Right, and people will ask me about the audience for this one, and I really mm-hmm. I believe that anybody over the over yeah. you know around the age of thirteen, it's up to a parent, but I think it's appropriate for anyone over the age of thirteen all the way up to a hundred and thirteen. I think that there's I, there's not um, it's edgy, but there isn't a, a lot of graphic details in yeah. this book, and there's there's not any graphic language, and there's no sex. Um, whether that disappoints people or not, um, just so people kind of have an idea for when they're when they might be purchasing or what they might be reading, um, you can follow me on on my author page on Amazon or Goodreads. But you can also follow me on Facebook. I, I have a pretty big presence on Facebook at it's um, Joy Rybar Author. On Instagram too, I'm Author Joy Rybar, so kind of the backwards end of that. Um, I do a lot of things on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, and I have a newsletter on my website at joyrybar.com. So um, I love to keep in touch with readers. I do a lot of personal appearances as well. I'm always happy to hear from my readers. You're very lucky because where I live, the public library, public library, and the public bookstore won't take me. It's it's amazing. It's I went into the Greenberg Library and they said, "Can I give you?" I wrote a YA book in memory of my sister. Two stories going up in the oh. South Bronx, and the antics we pulled—they were they're funny, and they wouldn't oh, put it in there. Oh you didn't get God. a library journal. What difference does it make? I've got a whole bunch of five-star reviews, and even oh, the Barnes and Noble. So I said, "You know what? I get the books for free. I don't need you. It's okay. It doesn't bother me." Oh. But this this is this has been fun, everybody. Everybody buy them and do some murders. And I have to be very honest, I won't read a book with a lot of bad language, ever. And right. And I'm, I'm, I'm very fussy about that. So books that have very poor, you know, very little bad language or whatever, that, that, that I'm going to just sit down and read it, which is what I did when I read yours. And that's how you get eye strain when you read a book in an hour. 
but it's worth it. Seriously. <laughs> it is for sure. It is. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Fran. That's such a nice compliment. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, everybody. It's a beautiful day outside. Have a great day, and bye. All right. Bye-bye.